Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Yukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message. Hey everybody, my name is Mike and I serve as the lead pastor here at Active Church. And I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Whether you're watching or you're listening, I want you to know that our active online audience is so important to us. I know in this season, it's a bit unsettling maybe for you to join us in person. And I want you to know how important it is that we have you online, whether you're watching or you're listening, you're a gift to us. And you're joining a great group of people that watch online, like Mark and Tara, Randy and Laura, Devin, and even my best friend Jeremy. They all watch, and I'm glad that you're watching with us today. Today is week two of a series called Hope in the City, and we're building towards Christmas Eve, and I hope that you'll be able to join us for Christmas Eve. Our in-person gatherings are at 2, 4, and 6 p.m., and we have a special online gathering at 3 p.m. But this conversation is to help us identify when hope is winning in us and around us, and when hope is winning in the city. And the hope that we're talking about is a hope that makes sense of things that at first don't make sense. And what I know about you and what's true of me is that we want our life to make sense. We want to connect all of the dots. We want to know that we're living with a purpose on purpose. We want to know that the things that we are doing, they actually matter. That we're making significant choices and it's changing the world around us. And we know this based upon how we talk to each other. Have you ever heard the phrase or used the phrase, everything happens for a reason? Or maybe you use the phrase or have heard someone use the phrase, well, it will all work out. Or maybe you've heard the phrase or you've used the phrase, it just wasn't meant to be. Each of those phrases are a reflection of this longing inside of us to have things work out, to have things make sense, to know that we're living on purpose for a purpose. Now, each of those phrases are actually not super helpful and maybe not even really holy but they're phrases that reflect what's going on inside of our heart, that we want all of the dots to connect. And where this really comes into play in our lives is in those painful moments. When we ask the question, why? Why is this happening? Why is it happening to me? Why is it happening right now? And even a bigger question, why would God allow this to happen? Because for us, pain doesn't make sense. When we're making decisions, we're making plans for our lives. We're not planning for pain. We're not planning for suffering. We don't want that. And when we're given that, when life hands that to us, we're not sure what to do with it. And we ask, why? Why is this taking place? Why would God allow this to happen? And then when we talk to one another, those of us that are dealing with pain that are around us, we don't say to them, well, hey, that's life. We try to help them figure things out. We try to comfort them and speak peace over them. The question that we are wrestling with today is the question of what is that in us that wants to make sense of life? What is that in us that wants to live on purpose? And as a Christian, we have an answer for that. And the answer is that we are all created by God, that we are made in the image of God and God is a 
purposeful God, and God is a God who brings order out of chaos. And that thing in you that longs for all of the dots to connect, that thing in you is a reflection of God in you. It might be the reason why some of you have come to faith. Perhaps it's the reason why you're watching or you're listening today, because you can't live autonomously anymore. You don't want to live on your own anymore. You want to know that you're a part of something that's bigger and greater than you. You want hope, but not hope that crosses its fingers or wishes upon a star. You want hope that places its confidence in the very capable hands of someone that can handle your mess and can handle your life and can give you purpose. You are looking for hope that's found in Jesus. And that's why the Christmas story is the best story ever told. Christmas is the best example of God entering into the chaos of life and bringing about order, letting us know that there is a plan and there is a purpose. Christmas is the unmissable story of what God can do in your life and in mine. Christmas is God's announcement that He loves us and that He cares for us and that He has created us with purpose. So what I want to do today is read a portion of the Christmas story with you. And then I want to come back to this idea that we need everything to make sense. And I want to talk about how hope makes sense of things that at first don't make sense. So if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app near you, would you read along with me in the letter that Luke writes in the New Testament? Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He writes these words, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were eyewitnesses. So therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to write an orderly account so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. Now, this is so important to the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus, because Luke wants us to understand that this story doesn't start with once upon a time or a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This story starts with history, with real people and a real God. Luke says that many have undertaken this great responsibility to tell this story, and they're telling this story based upon what they heard from those who were there. Luke investigated this story, spoke to people that were there when Jesus healed the sick and turned water into wine and went to the cross and rose from the grave. Luke decides to tell this story and let us know that the things that you've been taught, you can be confident in those things. There's a certainty about this story. And then he begins to introduce us to the Christmas story in verse 26. He says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, Luke had no idea the impact that this story and his letter would have in the future, but he knew that this story had changed his life, and he wanted you and I to know that. But the results of this story would be world-changing, cathedrals, 
would be built and wars would be fought and better stories would be told and life change, which is the most important thing, would take place in the hearts and lives and minds of men and women for generations because of Jesus. Luke wanted the next generation to know this. Now, when we get introduced to Mary, we don't know much about Mary. Luke gives us a bit of detail, but here are some contextual things, some in that time sort of information that we can begin to glean from what Luke is telling us about Mary. She was probably a teenage girl. Her life was probably planned out for her. It's obvious that she is about to get married and the person that she's about to marry was a man that was perhaps picked out for her. His name was Joseph. And she was going to meet Joseph on the day of her wedding because that's what happened during that time. I know for us, in our time, it feels maybe a bit abusive. It feels very unsettling. But the culture of that time was to put a young girl and a young man together and say, hey, you're going to be married. And they were going to live where her parents told her to live. They were living life in the middle of nowhere. And here's the thing about Mary. She was going to be someone that nobody ever heard of. And then God shows up with an incredible, extraordinary, better story. And it's in this period of history that God decided to remind you and to remind me that He is a God who is involved in our lives. And what may seem like a life that lacks significance has incredible importance because God created that life and God is involved in that life. And what we see here is a random moment with a teenage girl becomes one of the most purpose-filled moments in all of history. And it's perhaps the reason why you and I want to connect the dots and want to live with purpose because we want a life like this. And this angel speaks to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at how these words were shared with her, and she wondered what kind of greeting this must be. This was a moment where she was thrown by the reality that an angel of God was standing in front of her, and not just standing in front of her, but speaking to her. And she's scared to death. And the angel recognizes that and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. God is with you. God is for you. God is in this. And God has a purpose for your life. Are you ready for that purpose? And listen to how certain the angel is as he shares about what's going to happen in Mary's life moving forward. He says, you will be with a child and give birth to a son. And you are going to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and He will reign, and His kingdom will never end. Remember, Mary is just a, a teenage girl, and she's probably not worried about kingdom stuff. She's probably worried more about Instagram and TikTok, right? She's not worried about giant kingdoms. In fact, she expresses what it is that she's actually worried about. She says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? How will I have a kid since I'm a virgin? I've never been with a man. I'm not even a married woman. I'm a teenager. How will this be? And what Luke writes next 
are probably the most difficult words he's ever had to write in his letters about Jesus. He wrote two letters. One's called Luke, the other is called Acts. And what he writes next is a bit weird and difficult to explain. And very delicately, he writes the words that the angel Gabriel says to Mary in her response to, how could this be? Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. See, Mary, here's what's going to happen. God picked you because of the way that you have decided to live your life. God picked you because you're highly favored. And God picked you because he is going to enter into the chaos of life and bring order and redemption and restoration. And he's not going to come as a military leader. He's not going to come on a tank. He's not going to come with an army. He's not going to come as a president. He is going to come as a child. And I want the world to know that that child didn't get here because of your husband and his choices or because of you and your choices. I want the world to know that this child came because of God's plan and purpose, which is why he says, the angel to Mary, this child will be called the son of God. Quick survey, raise your hand if you have ever heard Jesus referenced as the son of God. Hands up. I'm sure all of you, even if you haven't been a part of the church before, you have heard Jesus referenced as the son of God. And isn't this fascinating that you and I have heard about that, that you and I would call Jesus the son of God, or at least acknowledge that, they, that he is known as the son of God. Because the angel Gabriel said that was going to happen. 2,000 years later, when you and I hear the name Jesus, we tie the title of Son of God to His name, and it doesn't surprise us. But did you know how surprising this must have been for Mary? Maybe even perhaps ungodly? Because there was a lot of beliefs about gods during that time. And they didn't believe that gods cared about people and let alone become like people. And yet here is an angel of the Lord, of God, the one true God saying, I'm coming and I'm going to be here and I'm going to be like you. And I'm going to start this journey as a child. This angel says, Mary, teenage girl, you're going to have a son and his reputation will be the son of God. And it happened. And halfway around the world, 2000 years later, you and I are aware of it. This is how certain this angel was that this story would get to you and get to me. It's not a surprise to us. And then Luke writes about this certainty, almost puts an exclamation point at the end of this story because Gabriel responds to Mary with these words about God, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, in that world, during that time, it's hard to know what they were thinking about and what they were feeling because we're in our world and our time. But for Mary, she was a part of the nation of Israel. She was a Jew. And they would have been thinking and feeling things very different than how we are thinking and feeling about things. It had been over 400 years since they've heard from God. See, God spoke audibly to the nation of Israel or through a prophet to the nation of Israel since the beginning of time. But for 400 years, at the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, the people of Israel, the people of God didn't hear the voice of God. 
And during that 400 years, it wasn't great. But the thing that they saw happen often were kingdoms rising and falling. And so when this angel says to Mary that you're going to have a son and his kingdom will last forever, she could have responded with, no, that's not how kingdoms work. Because over the last 400 years, my people have seen Greece rise and fall and Babylon rise and fall and Rome rise. And we know that their end is coming. So kingdoms do not last forever, angel. I'm sorry that you're so certain about that. But what God wanted Mary to know and what God wanted you and me to know is that those kingdoms rise and fall because those are built on the plans of people. But what's about to happen here, the kingdom that God is about to start here is a kingdom about the will of God and the purpose of God. God says, this will happen because I am a God of purpose. I am a God who brings order out of chaos. I am a God who's telling a better story. Once the angel was finished, he left. And Mary's life went back to normal again. And the angel never showed up again. And I'll bet that Mary wished that the angel did show up again because life was about to get really complicated. She was going to start showing and she was going to have to explain what was happening in her body to those around her and not only to those around her, but to those that she loves like her mother and her father and her fiance. By the way, Joseph did get a heads up. So he was made aware of what was going to happen and he decided to lean in. He decided to take Mary as his wife. They get married and then there comes a time where they have to travel to Bethlehem for a census. Mary has to ride on a donkey as a pregnant woman all the way to Bethlehem. It's about 120 miles. In a car, it's two and a half hours. On a donkey, it's about three to five days. Those of you Moms that have had children that you've been pregnant, you know how uncomfortable it can be. Can you imagine riding a donkey 120 miles for three to five days? You're stopping every 15 seconds to use the bathroom or maybe you have morning sickness. This must have been so uncomfortable. And then when they arrive to Bethlehem, there is not a place for them to stay. There's no hotel. There's no motel. There's no holiday inn. They don't know where to go. And I'm sure that Mary is probably thinking to herself, didn't the angel say that I was highly favored? Didn't God tell the angel to tell me that I was highly favored? And now here I am pregnant as a virgin, having to explain how that happened, riding a donkey for three to five days. And now there's not a place for us to stay. I'm highly favored. And I would hate to think about if God called me highly hated. She could have been really, really frustrated in this moment. And then the thing that's really significant in this story is that they get word that the king, his name is Herod, hears about the birth of this child and feels threatened. And so he demands that his army go house to house to house to kill all the young men ages birth to two years old. And perhaps it's in this moment in the story where you and I would ask, Why would God allow this to happen? Not only what's happening to Mary, but now there's death happening around her. And by the way, that last part about King Herod, 
That's the part that we don't talk about at Christmas, right? We talk about the manger and we talk about the wise men and we talk about the shepherds and the animals and Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and the star. But dead children, murdered children is a part of the Christmas story. And Mary would have to live the rest of her life. Don't miss this. Mary would have to live the rest of her life knowing that God rescued her child but did not rescue the children of those around her. What was the purpose in that? Mary would not only experience the most unimaginable pain watching and knowing and listening to what was happening around her, but then there will be a day where she was going to have to watch her son be crucified. Mary, Miss Highly Favored, Miss, the Lord is with you. Miss, your son's kingdom will reign forever. Must have thought, has God lost control? Because this, this doesn't feel very good. It doesn't make sense. And the answer to the question, has God lost control, is no. Because in amongst all of this chaos, we have our eyes open to the reality that God is so intimately involved. The pain that's happening around her. The order of execution is the reason why God came into this world, is the reason why he sent his son Jesus, because sin leads to death, and Jesus came to pay the price for sin in his death. He came to take this pain and to turn it into purpose, because that's what God does, that's who God is, and that's why you and I want order and purpose and we want things to work out for the good because we were created by God and that's God's thumbprint upon us. It's a reflection of God's image in us. In those moments when things seem random, even purposeless, maybe even hopeless, when moments feel unredeemable, when we feel like nothing good can come from this, the Christmas story is the announcement is the reminder that God is with us and hope is here. And the hope that we have in Jesus is a hope that makes sense of things that at first don't make sense. Paul actually wrote about that. 25 years later, after the story that Luke wrote came out, Paul leads the charge of the movement of Jesus, and he writes a letter to men and women like you, and he had the value of hindsight to look back at what God has done. And he writes these very powerful, specific words. He says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It's a very technical way to talk about the things that we've been talking about. What Paul is saying here is that God from the very beginning was going to bring order out of chaos, was going to bring love into hateful moments, was going to bring life into death, was going to bring forgiveness into the unforgivable, was going to bring his son into a world that needed hope. And it was his decision from the very beginning to love you and to love me and to help us step into a better story. Mary said actually something very similar after the angel spoke to her. But the interesting thing about Mary, the extraordinary thing about Mary, is that she didn't have the privilege of hindsight. Mary said something similar, and it was before 
everything happened, before she started showing, before they traveled to Bethlehem, before the difficult conversations, before the death of the people around her, and before the death of her son. You know what Mary said to the angel after he gave this information to her and shared the certainty of what was about to happen? Mary said these words, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am at the mercy of God and I will do what he has planned to do. I love the Lord and I place my hope in him and I trust that he is up to something good. I think the greatest takeaway for us in this story is to recognize that hope isn't inviting God back into your plans. But when you and I choose to place our hope in who Jesus is and what Jesus does, and who God is and what God does, when we decide to place our hope in His hands, we are saying to Him that I'm trusting that you're moving even though it doesn't seem like you're moving. I'm trusting that you're up to something even though it's not the plan that I had. I'm trusting that you're going to do something in this moment even though I didn't anticipate this moment. Mary says, I am your servant and I'll do what you've said because I'm placing my hope in your hands. This doesn't make sense, but I'm going to hope in you and I'm hoping that because of that, it'll make sense. A lot of our plans might sound like this. We met when we were supposed to. We got married when we planned to. We had kids when we scheduled it in. We got the job and the career and the house. And then life changed our plans, altered our plans. The divorce happened. The loss of the job took place. Or maybe even the death of someone. Friends, what Mary teaches us in this moment, what Luke writes about in this moment, and what God would want you to know about hope is this. Hope is not saying, God, will you fix my plans? Will you be back into my plans? Will you give direction to my plans? Hope says, God, I wanna be a part of your plans. I wanna be a part of what you're doing right now. God, I wanna trust you. Even though this doesn't make sense, I'm gonna hope in you and hope that that makes sense. Mary says, I'm your servant. So may it be to me, as you have said, And listen, we've all been dealt something that we didn't expect or anticipate. And if you're not picking up what I'm putting down, we've all been dealt a world where a pandemic is a reality. And it's changed everything, hasn't it? But also personally for you, you may have been dealt a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow and a lot of struggle, things that maybe you caused. But here's the thing. There's a lot in your life that maybe you didn't cause and it came your way. And I don't know what you do about that, but what I learn from Mary, the mother of Jesus, what I learn from the story of God, the Christmas story that tells the story of Jesus, is that hope says, God, I don't want you to fix this. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. God, I don't want you to be a part of my plans. I want to be a part of your plans. God, I don't want you to go in my direction. God, I want to go in your direction. A lot of this doesn't make sense to me, God, but I'm going to hope in you and hope that you can help me connect the dots and that things would make sense. When hope is winning in you and around you and when hope is winning in the city, it's a hope that says, God, 
I want to go where you go. And I want to do what you do. I am your servant. I'm at your mercy. And so may it be to me according to your word and according to your will. I want to go in your direction, God. That's when hope is winning. In you and around you and in your city. I know you might be carrying a lot. And I don't want you to carry it alone. And so I want to invite you as we finish our time together to share what it is that's stirring in your heart so that you can take the journey of hope with those who are doing the same thing. I want to invite you to text PRAY to the number that you see on the screen. And when you text PRAY to that number, you'll get a text message back that asks you how we can be praying for you. And you can respond to that text message and give us all the details or just some of the details or whatever you're comfortable with. Because I want you to know that you don't have to face this thing alone. You don't have to face those moments that you didn't plan for or anticipate by yourself. I want you to know that there is a God of hope who's leading you in a great direction. And you, starting by sending that text, could be you saying, God, I'm going to place my hope in your very capable hands. And I'm going to trust that you're not going to join my plans, but that you're going to have me be a part of yours so that I can live a life of purpose, of significance, and a life that changes the world. That's when hope is winning. In you, and around you, and in our city. Let me pray for you. So God, we want to place our hope in your hands. We want to trust in you. We want to believe in you. We are at your mercy. We are your servants. And so whatever you have planned for us, we want to know, we want to be a part of, and we want to go in that direction. We don't want you to be a part of our plans and fixing our plans. We want to be a part of your plans and accomplishing what is bigger and better and more significant than just our lives on our own. And so Jesus, we hope in you. We trust in you and we believe in you. And it's in your name that we pray all of these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen.
Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Hey, I want to ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I want to invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.